Uh, would you like to be finding the book of Nehemiah, uh, which is in the Old Testament? If you find the Psalms, which is roughly in the middle, go back a little bit further, and uh, at some point you'll run into Nehemiah, and find chapter 12. We're going to read in a moment together, Nehemiah chapter 12, uh, verse 27 onwards. That's our chunk uh, for today. We've been in uh, a series on Nehemiah for some time. That series is is drawing to a conclusion. Uh, we've got a little bit of chapter 12 left, and then we'll tackle chapter 13. Today, it's the events which you might dis- see um, described in the, uh, the Bible, uh, dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, or some to words to that, words to that effect. So, the blue buckets are going around. Now, if I'm still speaking, um, oh, much beyond, here's a challenge, half past 11, you can start to heckle, all right? <laughs> For one week only. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Here we go. Let's read together. Nehemiah 12, verse 27 uh, to the end of the chapter. All right. Let me steady myself. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The singers also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of Nethophetites, uh, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmaveth. Uh, for the singers had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right toward the Dungate. Uh, Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as some priests with trumpets, and also uh, Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zachur, the son of Asaph, and his associates, Shemaiah, Azrael, Milalai, Gilalai, Mai, Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the scribe, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshana gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, uh, and the tower of the hundred as far as the sheep gate. At the gate of the guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with half the officials as well as the priests. Eliakim, Marcia, Miniamin, Micaiah, Elionai, Zechariah, Hananiah with their trumpets. And also Marcia, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehohanan, Malkajar, Elam, and Ezer. The choirs sang under the direction of Jezrahiah. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruits and tithes. 
from the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did also the singers and gatekeepers, according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, uh, there had been directors for the singers and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So, in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel contributed the daily portions for the singers and gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for other Levites, and the Levites set aside the portion for the descendants of Aaron. Okay, here we go. A new event is happening uh, here in the second half of the book of Nehemiah, uh, and it's the dedication of the walls. And people are now gathering, not just from Jerusalem, but from uh, the villages around, from the the country around, for this uh, new specific event. Now, the question is, why gather for this event? The walls of Jerusalem have been rebuilt. But that is old news. We knew that in chapter 6 and verse 15. So the walls have been rebuilt. Now, all these chapters later, there's this new event to dedicate them. Now, we don't know how much time has elapsed, but quite an amount of the book has elapsed. We could guess, therefore, that this is sometime later on. So it's old news. And whilst the walls have been rebuilt, there's still so much more to be done. We saw that in chapter 7, verse 4, when the city is described as being really spacious and not many people are living there. Um, because whilst the walls are up, this is still a city with not much about it. Um, not many communities, not many houses, not much business uh, thriving in this city the last time we looked anyway. So we might imagine the conversation between two people. We're gathering in Jerusalem again. What's it for this time? Well, they want to dedicate the walls. Well, they've been up for a while now. It's old news. What's the point? Well, it doesn't really matter. We have to go anyway. Um, Okay, see you there. Um, So what is the big deal? Why gather again to dedicate the wall? Well, the big deal is this is about giving thanks This is about saying thank you to Almighty God. And this is, it's a time again to joyfully celebrate. So we're going to look, this is the big deal, this is the point today. This is why we've, I, have interrupted our worship time to say we're going to worship again. Because of the whole issue of giving thanks. Why give thanks for what's happened The walls have been up for a while. Why give thanks? There's so much rubble still about. There's so much yet to be done. There's so much that still needs to be rebuilt. Surely the more productive thing is just to crack on wherever you are. The more productive lifestyle is not pausing too much to remember the past, but just keep rolling your sleeves up. Keep cracking on, even if it feels a bit weary at times, just keep going. What we see in this chapter, or this portion of the chapter, thanksgiving, cropping up time and time again. The word, verse 27, we saw there, uh, people gathering into Jerusalem. It says, uh, to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of harps and 
liars and so on. Go on to verse 31. You see, I had the leaders of Judah go up on the top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. Now that's interesting because the, the words in the English, choirs to give thanks, is one Hebrew word. Give thanks. I assigned two thanksgivings to walk around the city. Well, that's a bit weird, isn't it? One thanksgiving went to the right in verse 31. The other thanksgiving, or, well, choir actually, but thanksgiving in verse 38 went the other way around. Um, they both go round the wall, they meet together, and both thanksgivings, or choirs, join together in the temple to give thanks. It's just absolutely saturated. Uh, so we see in, in that in verse 40, the two choirs that gave thanks then took their places. Um, and also we find in verse 46, for long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, two men who wrote quite a lot of the book of Psalms between them because they loved to give thanks. There had been directors for the singers and for the songs of praise and would you believe it, thanksgiving yet again uh, to God. So they are giving thanks. The question might still be hanging, however, well, why now? Surely there's, you know, it would be better waiting until the whole job is done. Then we'll give thanks. Um, or we'll give thanks right at the moment the walls are completed. But, but why now? And it could be the same for us. There can be ways in which we think there's so much more to happen there's so much rubble still around. There's so much we're still believing God for. We'll give thanks when it all comes to pass. A few examples. We are still a small church in a big city. And uh, oh, it's a good number of people here today, obviously. But God gave us the Jubilee Center, this building. Quite wonderful and remarkable circumstances. We were unable to buy it. But look, there are in the balcony 400 seats that are empty and bar the odd event here or there those 400 seats have been empty for coming on to 15 years let's give thanks there's so much more goodness me that's what it can feel like can't it we can we think well Nothing much has changed. Yeah, we've seen bits and pieces of growth here and there, but nothing much has changed. Give thanks. We had a fantastic weekend away as a church in April, more recently. And uh, it was great for all those and a few extras who would call City Church their, their home as a, as a church. We went away to a conference center, had a fantastic uh, weekend away. We've done it a few times before, but this time we had good weather. Oh, it was glorious. Uh, Andy and Liz Davis, a couple from Cardiff, came and uh, they, oh yeah, I remember that. It was a it was a great time, and at the time I felt quite inspired by what we heard, and I felt quite encouraged. And now we're back, and we're back in Sheffield, and we've been kind of going for it again as a church and in my Christian walk for. A month, a few weeks, and so on. But you know what? Nothing much has changed. It was a great time. I felt inspired, but nothing now. It doesn't seem nothing much has changed. We've had 
third example, we've had healings amongst us. We've had people share their story of being healed physically as a result of being prayed for in the name of Jesus. Wonderful stuff. But at any one time in the life of a church this kind of size, there is at least one, if not several, really grim and serious health and uh, issues that are either life-threatening or potentially life-threatening happening amongst us. And so we see uh, examples and we praise God for headaches and back pain and so on getting healed, but we can still be thinking nothing much has changed. The people of God right here in chapter 12 could have been thinking nothing much has changed. And when that kind of perspective settles on a group of people, they become, or we become, very much like Eeyore. Eeyore, one of the characters in the Winnie the Pooh story. Crunching gear change, I know, but let's go with it. Which character in the Winnie the Pooh collection of stories, if you're familiar with them, do you identify with them most? They are a wonderful mix of personalities. So you've got gloomy Eeyore. If there's a thistle, he's going to chew it. By himself. Waiting for other people to come and find him to commiserate with him. There's Tigger. Tigger is happy but bounces on everyone and is blissfully unaware of the mayhem socially they might cause because they're not that sensitive. Sometimes Eeyore and Tigger need to bear with one another in love and forgive one another for whatever has happened in their core group. I mean, in the stories (laughs) of A.A. Milne. I recommend Winnie the Pooh if you are a core group leader. No. Um, Obviously, there is Winnie the Pooh himself. There's Piglet, a great friend. Quite an anxious character, but faithful. Always with Winnie the Pooh. I'm going to say the full name. I just have to. Winnie the Pooh. He's, he's kind of there. He's always there. There's Rabbit, kind of hospitable, but a little bit stressy. Owl likes to think he's a bit clever. Not really. Okay? There we go. Which one do you identify with? You think, oh, goodness me, I'm above all of this. What are you talking about? Christopher Robin. Okay? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you can be Christopher Robin. But what I'm talking about is the, the Eeyore perspective right now. The Eeyore perspective can fall. It can come down on, on, on me. I identify with Eeyore to a certain extent. Uh, it can come down on a group of people. It can come down on a church. And then whatever is happening, wow, God gave us a Jubilee Center. Yeah, but there's so much more. Wow, we had a fantastic weekend away. Yeah, but nothing's changed. Oh, fantastic. Someone's got healed. Yeah, but my mate hasn't. And they've got something far worse about them going on. It's kind of just a gloom. So I want to take those three examples and reframe them faithfully still living in reality. In the year 2000, we moved into this building. 
God enabled us, enabled us to buy it. It was fairly modest in price, but it needed a huge amount of work. God enabled us to renovate this building, a million pound project or thereabouts, and not be debt ridden. The leaders of the church at the time said to everybody, you do not have to give. The church is not awash with money. We don't have a spare couple of hundred thousand pounds or more kicking around in our back pockets. We don't really have much at all. This is slightly ridiculous, naturally speaking. We don't have the money, but you don't have to give. There's not going to be a special appeal. There's not going to be hard pressure, the hard sell. Like Nehemiah, they did not tax the people. Instead, fixing our eyes on what God had said, we prayed. The issue was we're going to pray. And no one will know what you give or what you don't give. But let's get together and pray. And so each kind of uh, invoice would come in for multiple tens of thousands of pounds. And perhaps at that point in time, the leaders knew we don't have the money. But it's due. And so there are a variety of ways, a variety of stories in which money was provided. Amongst us, sometimes other churches uh, giving to us that enabled us to be debt-free, ultimately, with this quite substantial building. There were miracles involved. God did that for purpose. Something changed. Something changed. And that holds with it the promise of more to come. Because what God has done there is more to come. Something changed. April, the church weekend away. We've done it numerous times before. We don't meet here on a Sunday. We all go away for the weekends. And when we've done that before, again, we've not charged. We've not said you must pay for your place. Um, We've trusted God to provide. We've, We've said, nevertheless, this is what we're doing as a church. If you consider this your church, you may give into it. Uh, You can be part of it in that sense. Um, But we're not saying to people, you can't come if you can't pay. No, everybody can come. That was the way in which we've done it for years. And this time, this year, we realized that in advance of a weekend away, God had already provided us with all the money necessary to pay for it. So we were in a position to say, it's on the house. You don't even have to give. It's already covered. God's provided. So why didn't you come? Would you believe it's not cheap to take away 340 people to a commercial conference center for two nights for it to be fully catered for and say, don't even give. That's how much God provided for us. And God met with us there and he spoke to us about being an Antioch church And he gave us fresh vision and a sense of him leading us into the next chapter of our story together as a church. So, I would say something changed. I'm not saying everything changed. I'm saying something changed. God did something and he did it for purpose. 
there's more to come. The matter of healing. I would just invite you briefly to raise a hand with me if you know at some point you have been physically healed as a result of being prayed for in the name of Jesus. Just turn around and just have a look at, I would say, without exaggeration, scores of hands that are raised. I'm just going to briefly share my testimony of healing. Verukas. Now, I'm being honest, this goes back a little while now. Um, But when I was thinking about it, have I experienced healing as a result of being prayed for? Yes, I have. I'm sorry, this is grim, isn't it? It's like embarrassing bodies. Um, But on the sole of my foot, I had not one, not two, but loads of verrucas. Verrucas are not very nice. And um, it's just a bit embarrassing. Uh, I tried a whole variety of medication to get rid of them, um, but each medication didn't really have the desired effect. So I had drawn the conclusion they will just be there. I will have to cover them up. I'll, whatever, we won't go into details. Um, but I was kind of done. I was just thinking, that's, that's it. Now, are, are they the biggest deal? Is that like epic? No. It was inconvenient. It was sore. It was embarrassing. Quite obviously, it was not life-threatening. Nevertheless, I was prayed for. Actually, it was Rachel who prayed for me. I think she kind of just brought me up on it and said, look, pray. Okay. Yeah, she prayed. And um, they did not go that day. I probably don't check the soles of my feet every day anyway. But they all went completely gone. And I have never had one since. We can all praise God for that. Um, <laughs> so, not life-threatening, but something changed. And again, you might be thinking, but yeah, my friend has cancer, diabetes, chronic fatigue, multiple sclerosis, or schizophrenia, or gluten, dairy, and nut intolerance, and nothing's changed for them. Does that mean I shouldn't share my testimony about Verrucas? Does that mean that we should not give thanks for the hands uh, that were just raised? It means something changed. Some things have changed. Not everything yet. But we give thanks for what we have experienced and received from the Almighty God. Believing something changed, there's more to come. Okay? Let's kick the Eeyore perspective into touch a little bit today. Why am I sharing that? Well, we're going to worship God in approximately 10 minutes, because I've still got a little bit of talking to do. Um, We're going to worship God again in a few moments. We're going to give thanks again. And this might not be a typical meeting, but I'm going to encourage you, if you have a testimony of healing and you want to share it, you know, if it's Verrucas or something similar, understand what I, I'm not going to press you on it. I'm going to encourage you to come and find me and stand over here. I'm then going to encourage you, in between a song, with a microphone in hand, with probably quite a few people stood with you, to share it essentially quite briefly. To say, this was the problem. I had experienced the problem for this long. And here's the things that hadn't worked. I got prayed for and this happened. Okay.
Maybe that takes about a minute. I'm going to encourage you to do that. If there are other stories, other testimonies of how God has answered prayer recently in your life, or you want to give thanks for something, maybe it's historic. I'm going to encourage you to do the same. We'll see what happens. We'll see how many we get through. You might come to the front and the opportunity doesn't quite materialize. But you might just share it briefly and then someone else could ask you about it later on and you can share more of the detail if you see what I mean. So we're going to be brief, but I think God wants to restore some joy to us this morning. I think God wants to do something by us being deliberate in giving thanks. Okay? So that's where this is uh, heading. We are called to be a people who cultivate thankfulness. Let's give thanks. Let's celebrate. Let's have music and songs of praise. Let's make a joyful noise. Let's yeah, share testimonies of how God has answered prayer, healed sickness. Let's do it not just now, but on other occasions as well. In the book of James, chapter 5, in typical James punchy style, Uh, James says in James 5 verse 13, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. I think in our culture, sometimes we are in danger of reinterpreting that. Is anyone in trouble? Put it on Facebook and get people to commiserate with you. Is anyone happy? Keep stum. Because everybody won't be able to identify with that. And people might feel sad because you're happy. We can kind of go that way. Let's not overlook trouble. Let's not deny the reality of challenge and hardship. But let's give thanks for what is good. Has everything changed? No. But some things have. And that is demonstration. If God's done that in the past... With this building, with our weekend away, with healing, with other stuff, there is more to be experienced. God has got plans for the future. Here are two reasons to give thanks. Here here are two reasons to look at a church and as individuals to cultivate in us, to be deliberate in deciding, I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to give thanks. Number one. It brightens our hearts, okay? It brightens our hearts. I think we see this in the chapter here, in verse 43. And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing, because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. They're not just giving thanks. Sometimes I give thanks. You can give thanks in a bit in cold blood. You just determine I'm going to do it. I, I thank you God because of this and this and this and this. You, you kind of run through it. I think rejoicing is the, the welling up, the overflowing of, of an experience of joy that comes out of our mouths. It comes out in other ways. In fact, even the word thanksgiving implies a physical act. It Uh, the root of the word implies something being done with hands. I'm extending my hands. I'm giving thanks. Um, So there's this this welling up, there's this overflowing of rejoicing, the the spirit of Eeyore just lifting off. uh, Worship, when we gather like this, 
or even personally when we might be spending time with God, is not an opportunity to gather as much gloom as possible, but praise God anyway. I'm going to rehearse as much gloom as I can find and then find it in myself to thank God. And there is gloom. There, are, there is heartache. There are challenges. When I was growing up, I used to visit a family's house, a relative's house. Every me- mealtime began with this prayer. For what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly grateful. Does anyone, is anyone familiar with that fairly stock prayer? Every time, every holiday. Think about it. Now, maybe in faith and in joy, that can be brilliant. For what we are about to receive, make us joyful. That's Eeyore. What about, for what we have received, we are truly grateful. Do you see the difference? For what we have, yeah, there's stuff we're going to receive. But for what we have already received, we're really, really grateful. Is that living in the past? Is that being a bit cloud cuckoo? Is that ignoring reality in the present? Is that denying the challenges there might be to come? No, it's not living in the past. It's taking a moment to look to the past and say, I'm going to count those things for which I'm thankful. Because I'm living in the present. I'm not living there. I'm briefly looking there. I'm giving thanks for what's happened here. I'm living here in the present, and I'm looking forward to what is to come as I give thanks. So not for what we're about to receive make us truly grateful, but for what we have received, we are truly grateful. As believers, when we break bread and share wine to remember Jesus' death on the cross, that's what we are doing. It is not gloomy. It's not casual, but it's not gloomy. What are we doing when we break bread and share wine? We are giving thanks for what we have already received. Not, oh, for what's to come that we might get. Just focused on problems. We are being deliberate. We're making the choice. We're saying, look, look at what we've received. Put the present and the future in the light of that. Total forgiveness and a new identity and a perfect future in glory with God because Jesus went to the cross and was executed in my place, taking upon himself all of God's righteous anger against my sin. I'm giving thanks. I'm giving praise. I am a new creation because of Jesus. I have a new future because of Jesus. I am known and loved by God. I was loved by God before the dawn of time, but I now know it through Jesus because of what happened there. What are we doing when we break bread and share wine? We're giving thanks. We are remembering. And then we're looking forward. We're fixing our eyes on the big deal. And other challenges and things going on in life in the here and now. Don't evaporate. But they get into the right perspective. And there isn't too much or so much of Eeyore around. Okay.
That's what's happening. And it brightens our hearts. So let us determine now that as we hear people in a few minutes sharing their stories, whatever's going on for us, we're going to give thanks. When we gather together, perhaps in small groups and other settings, to break bread and share wine, we're going to determine what we're doing is we're going to give thanks. Yeah, we're going to pray and support one another, be real about all the challenges and mess in life, but we're we're really going to fix our gaze. We're really going to focus on Jesus. So it brightens our hearts. And also, secondly, it builds our faith. We're not just living in the past. We're not hiding from reality in the present. No, we're remembering the past, honoring what God has done, living in the present, and looking forward to the future with faith. When we take a look back and give thanks, we then move forward in faith. Look at what God is like that he would even send his own son from the heights of heaven to the cross and the tomb for me. Look at what he's done. Right, now I'm going to look forward. We're going to proclaim that until he comes again. He's coming again. And my life is hidden with him in Christ. I belong to him. I have a new identity. My life is secure in the hands of a sovereign God because he demonstrated his incredible love his steadfast love at the cross. I love the description that we get uh, in Psalm 48. Would you believe I can't find the Psalms? Um, Psalm 48, I think this has some resonance with what was going on on that day when they were dedicating uh, the, uh, the walls. Starts off with, with uh, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain it goes on look at verse 12 because this is in effect what they were doing walk about zion jerusalem go around her count her towers consider well her ramparts view her citadels that you may tell of them to the next generation so that's what they're doing they were physically walking on the walls they were looking around look at the walls look at the towers look at the gates Look at what's happened. Look at what has changed. Look at what has been established. Look at what is new. See what God is doing in his church. Walk around the church. Not a building. The church is people. Walk around and, and see and hear what God is doing. Look around and see those hands going up. Say, I've experienced healing in my life. Consider it celebrate it, give thanks for it. Why? What does it then lead to? Verse 14. For, here's the conclusion. When we do that, when we give thanks, where does it lead us? For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Walk around, consider, take a look at, give thanks for what God has done, what has changed, strengthens our faith we realize this god is our god forever and ever he will be our guide even to the end it's looking forward it's saying into the unknown into the future which i have no certainty about at all all the stuff that is like loose ends he will be the guide it's amazed to me an unknown path that's yet, that's yet to be revealed. 
but my God, our God, will be our God all the time, all the way, all the way through. He will be our guide for me, for you, for this church, in this city. He's going to guide us. Oh, nothing much has changed. It's still this. There's still that. There's still the other. Take a look again. Take a look again at what God has been doing. Now, that's what we're going to do in a few moments because it's just gone past half past 11 and I don't want any of you to heckle. So to avoid that, here's my rallying call again. Here's the big deal. Here's the big point. Let's give thanks. Let's make space for stories for answered prayer. That's what we're going to do in a moment. Let's be deliberate. Whichever Winnie the Pooh character you most identify with, let's not overlook the blessings that we have received. Let's not overlook the day of small beginnings. Something's changed and there's more to come. Let's not forget what God has already done as we look forward to what he will do in the future. Let's do that when we break bread. When Let's joyfully remember the good news, the greatest news that Christ died for our sins to bring us to God. The righteous Christ for the unrighteous me, that I might come to God. Let's conclude together today and as often as, our, as we meet. He is our God. This Jesus that died on a cross and was risen to life again, he is our God forever and ever. He is our shepherd forever and ever. He is our savior forever and ever. He is our high priest forever and ever. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last forever and ever. He is the one who says, I am making everything new forever and ever. He is our Redeemer. He is the, the Creator. He is the Sustainer. He is the one who has justified us. He is the one who has reconciled us. He is our wisdom. He is our guide. He is our bridegroom. He is our friend. He is our champion. He is our God. He is our ruler. And he's always going to be those things to the very end. He is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the very end.